just right. I actually I wanted to talk about mustaches. What in the world is going on around here? Didn't you guys know that you're not supposed to trust anyone with a mustache? Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. <laughs> That's a goatee. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. It's something. So, yeah, whatever it takes. I, I've, been a, I've, I've been working with youth for 30 plus years. Been able to, to share and uh, encourage and to uh, smack a couple of young kids every once in a while that need it only with a holy two by four, of course. Right? Because I can't hit them with my hands, right? Right? I'd get in trouble for that. But I pray often. Infrequently, that is. That's a joke, sorry. If you haven't seen, what is that? Um, Pirates of Penzance, right? Penzance. It's a Linda Ronstadt musical. If you've never seen it, you've got to watch it. It's crazy. My wife loves it. And Linda Ronstadt is beautiful, so you can watch her. So, but it's, it's good stuff. And the Pirates of Penzance, they can't, they can't rob anybody or kill anybody or steal anybody who's an orphan. So the question was, are you an orphan? Because they always spoke like this, an orphan? As in somebody without any parents? Or orphan as in frequently? <laughs> Often. Okay, sorry. So whenever you say often or orphan, that, so you got to watch it. Pirates of Penzance. So what I, you know, when, when Isaac said we're going to do whatever it takes, and he asked me, what would you preach on if you were going to preach on whatever it takes? And, and the story that I read not long ago was the story of Paul. Paul was an apostle appointed by Jesus, and, and he... He was, I mean, most of the New Testament was written by Paul. If you've ever heard some of the letters towards after the Gospels, most of those were written by Paul. He, he wrote them, and he penned them. And most of them he penned when he was in prison. <laughs> and the reason why he was, was, was in prison is because he listened to what God said. And he did what he was supposed to do. And he did whatever it took. Whatever God told him to do. I mean, when you read through it, it's crazy. But Paul, he was, he was beaten several times. He was whipped with 39 lashes like Jesus was three different times next to death. He was stoned once and they took him out thinking he was dead. Yet, God brought him back to life. He was shipwrecked three times. He was bitten by a snake. After he got off, he, he was shipwrecked. And he was going to die, right? And, and this guy goes, they, they make it to shore. And then he's at shore, and he's around the campfire, and he reaches in the campfire, and a snake reaches out and gets him on the, on the hand and bites him. And they all looked at it and says, dude, you're an unlucky dude. I mean, you escaped the shipwreck, 
and you survived, and here you are, you get bit by a snake, and now you're going to die. And nothing happened to him. And they're like, they thought he was God because the snake didn't bother him. And everybody else they seen that got bitten by a snake, an asp, which are highly poisonous, died. And he didn't die. So it's kind of crazy. So that's what I want to talk about. So I want to, I want to read some verses. Um, can you pull up Acts 19 for me, please? Is it Joshua up there? Son of Nun? Oh, sorry. I just got done reading the book of Joshua, right? Joshua is a book that he, he's Joshua, the son of Nun. N-U-N, that is. Huh? No. He's, yeah, there you go. Joshua, son of Daniel. Nice. Good save. So I just want to read, read a few verses in Acts. I, I want you guys to see what the Bible says about it. And I want you to catch something tonight. Because I know that God has something for every one of you guys to do tomorrow, maybe even tonight. But you have to listen and you have to obey. He has something for every one of you, but you have to ask him. And, and I promise you, he'll answer you. So this is Acts chapter 19, verse 21. We got it up there. I can't see it here, so it must be up there. Okay. So I'm going to read this up here because mine's a different version. It says, now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. So what Paul is saying that he's got to go these places, but it's not in of himself. It's in of the power of the Holy Spirit that spoke to his heart and told him, you have to go. You have to go to Jerusalem and then you're going to Rome. And if you think about it, where he was in Macedonia, Macedonia is near Turkey, present-day Turkey is, and he went to Jerusalem, which is the opposite direction of Rome. Does that make sense? Right? Because he went to Jerusalem, so he went south and east instead of going north and west to Rome. Hmm. Interesting. But that was his journey. That's what the Spirit had told him he had to do. So let's go to verse, chapter 20, verse 16. I'm going to fly through this because I want you to chew on it. And it says, For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. So as he journeyed and got further the last time Paul was in Ephesus, he spent a year. <laughs> and he wanted to go to Jerusalem, and he thought, there's no way I can stop there because they're going to hold me back. So I need to go. He wanted to get there before Pentecost because he knew Pentecost was, was for one, a Jewish celebration, but it's also more of a Christian celebration of the, the power of the Holy Spirit speaking to people because on the day of Pentecost is when the tongues of fire came on them and they spoke in tongues, and 5,000 people were saved in one, in one moment. Pretty crazy. And so he wanted to be there on that day. So then let's, let's look at chat, verses 22 through 24. It says, And now, behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, 
Meaning, I don't want to go, really, but the, the Holy Spirit is telling me I have to go. I'm constrained by him. Not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul knows, not only is he going to Jerusalem, so, so keep it in mind. Okay, so this is what going to Jerusalem means to Paul. Paul was a guy named Saul, okay? His name was Saul, and he was a persecutor of Christians. Paul was a lover of God, but he didn't believe that Jesus was God, the Son of God. He didn't believe that. He, he was a Pharisee, and, and he listened to the Pharisees because he never saw the power of God personally yet. And, and Paul was, was, it says that he was there when Stephen, and if you read in Acts, earlier in Acts, Stephen was stoned to death. But in the midst of them stoning him, Stephen looked up in heaven, and he says, I can see heaven. And I'm coming. I'm coming, Jesus. And they stoned him. They cried out. They stoned him. And, and he said, in the midst of that, he said, forgive him. Forgive him, God. That, that's, what, that's what Stephen said. And Paul heard that. And so here's Paul. He's in the midst of that. And, and he was catching all of the Christians he could, bringing them in to either have them killed or imprisoned or getting stoned. And then he got letters, and he's going to Damascus. And you, if you've never read this before, you need to open up and read Acts, it's crazy, because he's going to Damascus. He's got letters to catch all the Christians that are there and take them back to Jerusalem and either have them killed or imprisoned, right? That's his journey. That's Paul. And on the way, a bright light showed up. <laughs> Imagine that, a bright light came down from heaven, and he couldn't see. And, and, he, and he heard this voice. He's the only one that heard it. There was a company of men that were accompanying him to bring the people back. That they, that they were going to take back in prison. And he hears this voice that says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul, he's blinded. He's like, he hears the voice. I mean, what are you going to do, right? He, there's nobody else around but these people. They're on a road to, to Damascus in the middle of nowhere. It's a desert. And he falls down to his knees and he said, who are you, Lord? I mean, who? And and he hears the voice say, I'm Jesus. Why are you kicking against my goats, my, my, my promptings? I've been calling you, and you're not listening to me. Why? So I'll, I mean, he says, I'm sorry. He says, and, and the voice, Jesus called him to go to Damascus. And, and, he, and he says, go to Damascus. I mean, you got to understand a little bit of where Paul was. Because then Paul goes in, and then God, through Peter and, and through some other people, I mean, he, God got this guy named Ananias, right? And brought him to come to, to, to speak to Saul and lay hands on him and heal him. And, and, and when he did that, he laid hands on him. He didn't want to go to him because he knew, hey, that's, that's Saul. He's the one that's persecuting Christians. All the Christians in Jerusalem that have died have died because of him. You want me to go lay hands on him and pray for him? Are you crazy? So Ananias said to him, so anyway... God says, go. And he 
believed and did. He went and he, and he told him. He said, Saul. And he laid hands on him and says, have your sight restored. You're now going to preach. You know, that's what he said. And Jesus said, you're going you're gonna to preach. And, and so Paul now has been preaching for, for between 20 and 30 years. He's been going to all these communities and all these little towns, and he's, he's raising up armies of Christians. He, say, there's a lot of people that are saved because of Paul. His name was Saul, and he became Paul because he was changed, and Jesus changed his name. And sometimes God does that with people. He changes names when you become a Christian. But he, uh, he knew that. So I want to look at verses 36 through 38. Can you pull that up too, Josh? It says, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them, and all with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful. Most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied to the ship. So along the way, on this journey, every time Paul went to a different city, there was a prophet in every town that said, Paul, you're going to go put, get put in prison. I mean, in fact, one of them took his belt and, and he t put it around his legs and tied the belt on and said, whoever wears this belt is going to go in prison. And he's... And he's He's going to, he'll be miserable. <laughs> it's kind of what he said. And, huh? Kind of a weird way to say it, you know. Dude, you're, you're in trouble. Whoever owns this belt. And Paul's right there and he hears it. So, so that's, that's the message he's hearing at every town that he stopped along the way. And he, there's believers that he has brought into the kingdom, not by his own power, through Jesus. Because every time he said he testified through Jesus, that's what Paul did. And, and he was the instrument that God used to bring people to him. And now here's Paul. He knows he's going to Jerusalem and he's going to be, he's going to, it said he'll be in sorrow. He'll be, he'll be um, in chains and he'll be punished. You know, basically that's what's going to happen to him. And he's like, I got to go. I mean, that's, that's when God calls you to do something. And even if it's going to be hard, he wants you to do whatever it takes. He wants you to do whatever it takes. It's not easy sometimes. You know, when Isaac moved here and Caitlin, they had a little baby. And when they came, was, there was one in the oven that they didn't tell anybody about until they got here. <laughs> And it was okay, but they stayed that winter for two months, right, in a camper. Two weeks? Okay, it seemed like two months to them, right? But, yeah. I mean, they did that because it was hard, right? Yeah. They had no place to wash their clothes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and when Luella gets the flu, watch out, right? <laughs> Projectile vomiting. Have you ever seen that before? That's hers. Is bad. So, so sometimes we do things that are hard and it's not going to be comfortable. I mean, when Jesus walked the earth, he says, if somebody came up to him and says, you know, I want to go where you go. Where do you live? And he goes, I have no place to live. 
I don't have a place to put my head. It's just wherever I go, I sleep on the ground because I'm so tired. <laughs> That's basically that. what Jesus did. You know, so being a Christian isn't glamorous. I'm just going to tell you that. You know, it wasn't for Paul. It wasn't for Jesus. It wasn't for 10 of the, the 12 apostles were killed. And the one that betrayed him hung himself. And John, he got put on an, on an island to, to silence him. <laughs> he wrote a letter from there. And you got to go to heaven. For a time, that's where the book of Revelation came from, was John, while he was on the island of Patmos. But, yeah, exactly. Um, so let's look at Acts 21. We want to look at verse 4, and then we'll go to 10 through 14, if you can. Acts 21, verse 4. Why are you sorry, Josh? Just a little delay. I mean, this is what 21.4 says. It says, and having looked up the disciples there, and he's in, in Phoenicia, and then he went to Cyprus and and, and Tyre and Syria, and, and, and he says, And having looked up the disciples there, we remained with them for seven days, prompted by the Holy Spirit. They kept telling Paul not to set foot in Jerusalem. So, on one side, Paul is being led and prompted by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem, but all of these prophets, everywhere he goes, are being prompted by that same Holy Spirit to tell him, that when you get there, you're going to prison. I mean, is that, is that crazy? But it's what God did. It's sad, but it's not sad. Because if Paul wouldn't have went to prison, he wouldn't have wrote all these letters that we have today. I mean, that's, that's awesome when you think about it. Um, not awesome what he went through, but if when you read about it, Majority of the guards that guarded Paul while he was in Rome became Christians. <laughs> they had to guard him, and so the guy had to hear about Jesus <laughs> the whole time. Is, is, I mean, that was Paul. Wherever he was, he, he took advantage of it. He shared his faith. He shared his faith. Um, do you have verses 10 through 14, Josh? Okay. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, and coming to us, he took Paul's belt. Oh, I left the cat out of the bag, didn't I? And bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. <laughs> wow. I mean, I mean, it, this is doing whatever it takes. I mean, they broke his heart. Because <laughs> he didn't want to, they didn't break his heart because he was going to Jerusalem and 
and going to be in prison for himself, he, it broke his heart because their hearts were hurting. That's what broke his heart. I mean, that was when every time Jesus wept, it wasn't because he was sad himself. He was sad because the people were sad. His heart was broken because our hearts are broken. And when our hearts are broken, his heart is broken. Just remember that. When our hearts are broken, God's heart is broken. You know, that was the heart of Paul. So I, I guess he was determined to suffer and to go to prison at the very least. He was determined to do that, but he also knew God was going to take him to Rome somehow. But he had to go to Jerusalem first. It's crazy. When you, when you go read it, and I would encourage you to go read this. If you've never read the book of Acts, you really need to read it. Because you, you read it and you just go, oh my gosh, what? This is crazy because it's in turmoil. When he goes, the whole town of Jerusalem, I mean, everybody in the temple wanted to kill him. <laughs> I mean, they did. They, they, they did, and they had to pull him aside, and, and, the, and they put him in prison. They were going to beat him. When they found out he was a Roman citizen, they knew they were in trouble because Paul was a Roman citizen. Uh, crazy stuff. When you, when you read through it and see all of the story of Paul and his past and his, and his present and his future, you know, it just... He was determined, and that's one of the things that, that um, when you, we read that verse, it says he was determined, and that's, that's what we need. We need determination to do whatever it takes. We have to have determination. It, it, it's got to come from within somehow. I know, and, and how do you hear it? That's a good question. I can tell you a lot of stories. The very first time that, that I was challenged in ministry, I was I was sitting at a, we just had started going to this church, and, and I'm a brand new, and I became a Christian. I committed my life to Christ. And we're sitting in church, and one of the ladies that goes to our church was a German teacher at Valley Christian School. And every other year, she would take a group of students to Germany for a five-week trip. And they had gone to Germany that year, Right? And they came back, and so she came back to report to us of what had happened. And that, that spring before, the Berlin Wall was tore down. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you may want to look into history. Because it was crazy. There used to be a wall between West and East Berlin. The, 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 what do we call them, communists were in Eastern Berlin. I guess that's what we call them, communists, the socialists, the <laughs> East Germans. I mean, when I grew up, you had the East Germans and the West Germans competing in, in the Olympics. Now it's just Germany. Yeah, Olympics are coming up this week, right? So I don't know if I'm going to watch any of it. I'm too busy. But, and I love the Olympics. I grew up loving the Olympics, but I didn't love what our American athletes are doing. So sorry, you got me on a tangent now. Not even, not even respecting the flag and all that stuff. So anyway, the, uh, the thing about Germany is she was sharing that the wall came down. And when they were there, they went to West Germany before every year. And they tried to get into the schools to do their program. And the schools wouldn't let them in. Wouldn't let them in. And it was, it was a free country, right? And there was Christians all around. But they wanted to go in and do their thing. And they wouldn't let them in the public schools, so they had to do stuff in the churches. 
but they got invited when they were doing it in a church that there was somebody that was from East, East, church, East Berlin that said, hey, why don't you come over to East Berlin? He says, I'm a teacher. and get you in the school. And you can do your stuff in the school because they never heard anything. And it opened up. And, and she was telling this, and when they went to the one, they got, they, kept, they got invited, and they did like 15 or 20 schools. She said it was the most incredible experience because everybody was starving because they never got to hear about God. Because in a communist country, God is not, not spoken. You can't even speak about it in a communist country. That's what happened. That's what's going to happen in America if we allow this socialism stuff happen. Now I'm going to get off my golf turn now. So anyway, segue. So, so here I am sitting there hearing all this story, and I heard God say, I want you to go to Germany. I heard him whisper to me. I remember now. It hurts me right now. Because I said, God, I don't know the language. I'm German, by the way. My dad, he's, he was 100% German. Okay? He was born in America, but both his parents were German. Keinzel is my last name. K-I-E-N-Z-E-L. But now it's Kinzel. Because we got Americanized when we came here. They changed his name as Staten Island. But uh, I just heard God say, I want you to go to Germany. I was like, oh, I don't know the language. I don't know what to do. I was like, oh. and, you know, so I heard it, and I didn't tell anybody for about a week, and that's all I could think about. And, uh, I mean, because, and I asked my pastor, I said, so, when you, how do you know it's God's voice, and how how would you, how do you know that you're supposed to do what God calls you to do? And uh, he said, "Well, God tells you something, and He wants you to do it. That's all you're going to be able to think about, and you're going to have to do it." <laughs> and I'm not kidding. That's all I could think about for three weeks. I prayed about it. And I talked. And Told my wife about it, and she was like, <laughs> you, um, just so you know, my wife's on fire for the Lord. She loves Jesus, but at the time, it was all new, and I was going a little fast for her. <laughs> and I, she really didn't want to go to Germany. Um, she's Irish. <laughs> she's a Sullivan. Got red hair. Um, no, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just picking on Isaac. It's a good shot. But, but I know that I heard the voice. I didn't do it. And to this day, you saw my tears. I regret it. Because I heard God's voice and he called me to go. And East Germany was wide open. And they didn't go. And I think about all the people that could have come to know Jesus if I would have been obedient. So... I'm telling you, if you ask God, he will talk to you, and he will, he will call you somewhere. He will call you, and he will tell you. Right, Shailen? Yeah. And, right, Isaac? <laughs> He's faithful. He brought me to Butte, by the way. <laughs> he said go, and I came. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I... Our church youth group, I was helping with youth at the time, and our church youth group went to this trip. We, were gonna, we had, we had a, plan, a trip planned to a camp, um, not a camp, a, uh, a cabin that was owned by Champion. And Champion sold to Stimson. And after we had already booked it, and we're going to go do this 
Stimson said, ah, we're not going to let you use it because it's now our camp and you can't use it anymore. So we had to figure out an alternative and we ended up going to a Camp Bighorn, which was open, but they said, you know, by the way, Youth for Christ is coming and they're going to have a trip the same weekend. If you want to join them, you can do that. And our pastor said, hey, let's do that. So we went. While I was there, I just heard, you know, God speaking to me and saying, I heard this. Okay, you didn't go to Germany. Will you be a missionary at home? That's what I heard him say. And I said, God, Ed, I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do because I blew the first time. And uh, I was talking to the director of, of Youth for Christ at the time. His name was John Heggie. And uh, he, uh, I told him my story. And he said, you know, there's a mission field all around you. Kids are a mission field. It was 11 teen suicides that year in the Bitterroot Valley. Small, small area. It was Hamilton, Corvallis, Stevensville, Victor. There was 11 teen suicides that were successful. Well, if you want to call that successful, because it's not successful, it's the worst thing you can do. Yeah, that, that completed their, their thing. Um, but there was over 300 attempts by teens. God had my attention. And I started a campus life program in Stevensville, and we, I listened to God. He provided my, my income. I left a pretty good job with the state of Montana Department of Revenue and went to work with Youth for Christ for a beginning teacher salary. Took a, cut my salary in half. God provided for me. We went to work with Youth for Christ in debt, and we came out of it <laughs> not owing a penny. <laughs> We don't know, I mean, we don't know anything on our house. God has provided for us because we listen to him. I don't know how many people you know that have a house that they don't have to make a house payment on. That's the God that I believe in. And when I listen to him, he provides. He's going to do that for you. I went to a conference in uh, Boise, Idaho. <laughs> Potatoville. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's where Daniel went, right? That's where you guys go. <laughs> Boise, Idaho, right, Josh? And uh, there was a preacher up there. And uh, he was telling the story about he was at a young college group thing, and they were doing worship. And then someone was talking about hearing God's voice and, and being obedient, kind of like I'm doing tonight, like you're here tonight. And uh, this young man that was sitting in the audience said, you know, I want to hear your voice, God. I want to do whatever you want me to do. God says, go buy a gallon of milk. He's like, what? If you think about it, I mean, why would God tell him to go buy a gallon of milk? <laughs> I mean, it was a funny story, right? And uh, so he left, and he went and bought a gallon of milk. And he says, okay, God, what do you want me to do with the milk? And he says, drive down the street. And so we started driving on the street. He said, keep driving. We kept driving, and then all of a sudden he said, turn here. And he turned. He went a couple blocks down, and God said, stop here. He says, go knock on that door. I'm mean, that cry just thinking about it. Because he, <laughs> I don't know anybody who lives in this house. What do you want? I'm going to walk up to the door with a gallon of milk and knock on the door. I mean, are you kidding? You know, that's what he's thinking, right? 
And he knocks on the door. And there's a voice that says, what do you want? It's like, okay. <laughs> he knocks again. What? You hear a baby crying, you know. And uh, he knocked one more time. Because he knew God told him this is the house. And the door finally opens up, and there was a young man in there. He says, what do you want? <laughs> he says, I'm supposed to give you this. <laughs> Gallon of milk. The guy's face just went white. And he grabbed the milk and he ran inside. He came back and he says, come on in. He says, my wife and I were, lost my job last week and we don't have any money and we didn't have any milk. My wife and I just sat down and cried and prayed. And now God brought me some milk. That's why you want to listen to God's voice. He will answer your, your prayers. He will help you to minister to people. I mean, that, that story affected my life for a long time because it's real. It happens. It happens. I mean, I'm, I'm outside. I'm in my house, right? And it was a Sunday night, and garbage man came on Mondays. And I took the garbage out, Right? And we had a pastor, and his wife were living in the duplex next to us. And we had bought the duplex, and we kept the rent low for him, $250 a month. But he and his wife got $13,000 a year salary, and it was his only job. And that's not enough money for anybody to live. And he's got three kids and a wife. And, and uh, I heard him in their bedroom. Their bedroom was right next to our, our garbage can, <laughs> and the window was open. And I heard him say, I'm so hungry, I can't think. My stomach hurts so bad, I can't think. Um, kids haven't ate for a couple of days, and I don't know what to do. I mean, they went to church that day, and nobody from their church helped them. And I, I don't know. You know, I was just, in my mind, I was thinking, God, why aren't you taking care of them? <laughs> I said that. <laughs> and you know what God said? I did. I am. I brought you out here. I heard that. I brought you out here. So I went inside. We had just gone to Columbia Falls and got home. We'd been in, up at my, my father-in-law and mother-in-law's house, and they had stocked us up. We had five boxes of food from their pantry. They, I mean, I was working with Youth for Christ, and he wanted to make sure we had food, right? And we had a ton of food. So I told my wife, and she says, well, let's, Let's put a couple boxes together. So we split it all up and took food over. And uh, after I did that, I went to take the garbage out. And, and I could hear him in there cooking, and all the kids were going, Oh, Daddy, I love you. You know, and you could just hear him, you know, just happy because I listened to God's voice, you know. And that's something that I just I want to challenge you to, to pray. Say, God, what do you want me to do? He's going to give you a job. He's going to, he's going to challenge you. Um, I better cut this close, huh? <laughs> oh. I'm just going to say this. We hear his voice through the Holy Spirit. 
That's, that's where it comes from. That's who, who made Paul be determined to go. But you've got to listen to him. You can't, you can't hear the Holy Spirit unless you have him inside you. Katie talked to us about that last couple weeks ago. You know, gave you an opportunity. If you've, if you've never prayed to ask Jesus into your life, if you've never surrendered your life to him, you're not going to have the same Holy Spirit inside you that, that I do, that Isaac does, that Caitlin does, that many of you do have. You have to surrender your life. You have to ask him in. And when you do that, he's there. The same Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is the same Holy Spirit that I heard, that that man heard about the gallon of milk that raised Lazarus from the dead. That same Spirit lives in you. And he has power. And he loves people. He loves people more than you'll ever imagine. He loves people so much that he died for us. That's the Spirit that lives inside of you. And uh, he, ha- he has a call for you. I, I want to read one verse that I-, I finished Joshua. Such a great book. It's kind of hard towards the end because you get to hear about how they split up the land. But other than that, it's a great book. <laughs> Joshua 1.9. If you haven't memorized this, you need to memorize it. I'm just saying Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Even if you make the wrong turn, even if you didn't listen to him the first time, he's still with you. He's still going to talk to you. Even if you got a mustache, he's still going to talk to you. He loves you. So that's my call to you. Be strong and courageous. Do what he calls you to do. And I, I'm going to challenge you to ask him what it is you need to do. Because he has something for you. He has something for every one of us. So let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for, for Paul's life. That, that he was willing to do whatever it took. He was determined to do what you called him to do. God, I pray that each and every one of us would be determined to do whatever it takes to do what you have called us to do. Help us to hear your voice tonight. Help us to hear your voice as we, as we step out in faith. If you call us to go buy a gallon of milk, help us to buy a gallon of milk. But help us to go the extra mile, just as you did with that young man who became a pastor because he gave everything that was in his wallet to that family because he knew they needed help. You brought him there with the gallon of milk, but you also provided so much more. Lord, I just pray that you would do that same thing with us, with our friends, with our family, with our coworkers, with our teachers. Father, I just pray that you'd speak to us and we'd hear your voice and we wouldn't say no, God, that we'd say yes. And that we do whatever it takes to do it. Give us that courage, that strength, that desire, that determination to follow through in Jesus' name. Amen.